Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I am your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, what an incredible first round that we just witnessed yesterday. I mean, it was a wonderful first round. I don't know how everyone else felt about it, but I am... I'm still on cloud nine. I'm having a great day. I don't know. I don't know about everybody else, but woohoo! I am just. I'm living large. I I am living large. It feels it feels nice to just have. It just feels nice to have bragging rights for once. It really, really does, and have everyone saying nice things except for the jealous Giants fans. It really is wonderful. Well, yeah. It is kind of nice not having, at least especially as a Cowboys fan like yourself, nice not having the perennial shit being thrown at you on a consistent basis. Hey, at least the Giants fans are uh, getting used to these first rounds where offensive linemen are going to be uh, flying off the boards for them because that was a that was a Jason Garrett pick. All this talk of these, these, these Giants fans saying, oh, this is Joe Judge, Joe Judge really putting his place on the team. That's a Jason Garrett pick. Come on, give me a break. I've been seeing this for the last 10 years. This is a Jason Garrett pick by taking Andrew Thomas at number four. But we will talk about that. By the way, it was just me, or did it look like Jerry Jones, like he lives in a spaceship? It wasn't his house. Of course it was. It lo- I wouldn't be shocked if he was in the fucking Jumbotron in AT&T Stadium. It was on his yacht. Of course it was on his yacht. The $250 million uh, mega yacht. <sighs> it was on his yacht. That, when that came out, because we were all talking about it, and, and I was just like, what the fuck? That's a, that's a palace. That's like, that's better, that's, that's better looking my entire house. And then you realize, oh, it's, that's, not on his, that's not his house. That's actually his yacht. I was just, I, I literally just was like, oh, mama mia. Where is he that gets such good reception on a yacht? He must have the best Wi-Fi network known to God's green earth because my Wi-Fi a, is shit. He must have a cell phone tower installed <laughs> on his yacht. I would say he probably has about 150 routers. I, I, I would say that is a stone-cold guarantee. Yep, he's got 5G. He's got 6G. He's got 7G. Yeah. No, that hasn't right. even been coined yet, but he's 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 got it. 7G. He's got it. So what happens when you're the one percent? All right. So yeah, this draft was pretty cool. It was a first. This is the kind of thing you know that we're going to be telling our grandkids about. Like we watched the fr- when the world was plunged into darkness due to COVID nineteen. We watched a NFL draft that took place over Skype, where Roger Goodell really leaned in to the booing. Which now, which kind of makes it not fun anymore, because now he's like, now he's into it. So, what the so whatever. Like he, like you know, they got actual fans to uh, to do that. And it was it was very it was very uncomfortable because he was trying too hard to be funny. Yeah, it just uh, the delivery wasn't that great because he's like, oh come on, I can't hear you. The delivery wasn't great, and him turning to the camera, uh, him turning to his TV, and like. First of all, I don't think those fans were in live time. That's that's number one. That's another conspiracy for another day. Number two, I also think that, you know, when we got the, to the shot of him going from, you know, 
talking to the fans and like, yeah, come on, Vikings fans, skull, skull, skull. I was like, give me a break. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He must have been very happy they didn't have to see any Patriots fans. Yeah. I mean, he's probably happy that he only has to hear booing from a distance and not because, you know, obviously, even if it's at his house, it's still not as loud as it actually is in the draft. It's true. Especially as stadiums get bigger and bigger. Like he's probably going to get deaf after hearing all of this booing. (laughs) But I mean, that's not all we're going to talk about because obviously this is a show that dives deep into football and other sports, but at this point it's, it's football. And we're going to talk about the first round just passed because you know, the second round is tonight. You know, we're getting right back into it. It's a, it's a seven round draft. I mean, can you imagine back in the day when it used to be like, what, like 14 rounds? Yeah. We'd be here. They'd have the draft going on for like a week. But the uh, the first thing we're really going to do is just talk about, it's sort of like the super, like superlatives, more or less. Uh, listeners of the Required Radio Fantasy Show. Remember one of Bird and I's personal favorite episodes where we had superlatives at the end of the season, like end of season superlatives for uh, teams and players. And that was really fun. So we're kind of going to do that in a way for this draft. And the first up is, of course, everybody wants to know what were the big surprises. And I have a couple. And I'm sure you have a couple as well. I do. I do. My first one is pretty obvious. It's Isaiah Simmons going to the Cardinals. Just such a weird, weird pick. I he's a great player, you know, a great defensive player with a lot of versatility. I think that if you've listened to us talk about him, he's probably like you probably don't you think that we don't think he's that good, but he is pretty good. And honestly, this is a good pick in a vacuum, but for what the Cardinals need, this is not a good pick. You had you had 3 of the top four tackles on the board, you had Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, and Tristan Wirfs. And you didn't pick one of them when Kyler Murray was running for his life last year. When offensive line, offensive tackle was one of your major, major needs. It doesn't make any sense to me. Especially since with the next six, within the next six picks, those three tackles, gone. Goodbye. Peace out. Doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm not gonna completely shit on the pick yet because there are still some pretty good t- uh, tackle prospects out there. Ezra Cleveland is still out there. Joshua Jones is still out there. So if the Cardinals are able to get their hands on one of those tackle prospects in the second round, then I'll be a little less harsh on it. But I think it's very clear what the Cardinals want to do defensively is they want to move some guys around and have a lot of position flexibility. And there's no doubt that Isaiah Simmons is a, an extremely explosive player. But again, it's it's the same conversation that we've talked about with Isaiah Simmons throughout the entire pre-draft process is what is his position? And I think we both said that we believe he's a safety. We don't believe that he is a linebacker because he's a little undersized to be a linebacker. So, you know, where does he fit in? to not just the Cardinals, but really on any defense. you got to figure out what his position is. 
I mean, I, I personally, I gave the pick a B minus. I, I thought it was it, it was a good value for him because if you're talking about, you know, the athlete that you're getting, he probably is a top three pick just based on that. But if we're talking about potential fit, if we're talking about what he's going to potentially do with the Cardinals, you got to figure out his position first and then you can figure out the rest. But yes, I agree with you, Adam. I personally would have gone with one of the tackles, but I'm not going to completely degrade this pick if the Cardinals get a tackle in the second round on Friday night. If they can get one of the tackles, then I'll be more receptive to this pick and then at least knowing that they got one of those tackles. But if they don't, then it does look like a little bit of a mistake. I would agree. Right. So what about you? Do you have any other surprises? Uh, so the big surprise that I had was uh, number 30, uh, Noah Igmanogany from Auburn going to the Miami Dolphins. I loved this pick. I really, really did. I did not think that he was a first-round pick. I did not even have him on my radar for first-round pick, but I just remember watching him on film. This is a guy that was outstanding in coverage. He was an unbelievable tackler. And for the Dolphins, I did not see them going corner at all. But this is a guy that can come in. He is perfect for them in the slot. And I think this is an outstanding pick by the Miami Dolphins. I gave this an A. I really think a lot of people were scratching their heads and saying, who? And then I was, I couldn't believe it. It was a fantastic pick by the Miami Dolphins. I can't believe I'm saying it was a fantastic pick by the Miami, Miami Dolphins considering one of the picks that they made earlier in the night, but we'll get to that. Fantastic pick by the Dolphins here. A. Yep. Another another surprise, you know, this pick by the Raiders really solidified my belief in that ghosts can can possess humans. Because you have, you got to believe that somewhere, someway, Al Davis invaded the mind of his son, Mark Davis, and Mike Mayock and John Gruden, be like, you know what? You should pick this guy. He's super fast. Henry Ruggs III, he's super fast. Who cares if the best wide receiver is already is on, is still on the board? The best, the two be, two receivers that are better than him are still on the board. You got to pick this guy because he's fast. I don't know. I it's it's a good pick in the sense that you know the Raiders had a need at wide receiver, but Jerry Judy and Ceedee Lamb were both on the board, so. I don't know why they would they would have passed on him. That's kind of that's kind of my question for that. Do you have I, an answer? I gave this pick a B. I actually really like this pick in terms of you you really can't teach speed and in the NFL with the way the game is going, you need speed, you need a guy that can take the top off of the defense. Look at what Tyreek Hill does for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Tyreek Hill 2.0. If you're looking for a guy that can sit underneath, catch a dump off and go 40 yards, this is Henry Ruggs III. That is what he does. That is his forte. Is he as polished of a receiver as CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy? No. But one thing he does better than both of them is run. This kid can flat out run. And that's what the Raiders were looking for. Was it the sexy pick? Was it really the pick that many people were expecting? Is it a pick that's going to grab headlines? No. But can this be a pick that really just blows people out of the water and say, this kid can play? Yes, it can. You need a guy that can take the top off the defense at the, in the NFL. The Raiders don't have that. 
Now they do with Henry Ruggs III. I, I gave this pick a B. I think it's a, a very, very good pick. Again, I would have rather had Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, but for what the Raiders were looking for, I think it's fine. I, I, I really don't have any complaints with this. Yo, actually, before I let you go again, one of the other surprises is that the Seahawks actually made their first-round pick. Yes. We, we joked so much about how we could just take this pick off. You know, it's probably not going to be going to the Seahawks, but no, it's very wrong. They picked Jordan Brooks, which you you like Jordan Brooks, so I do. I would love to know what you think about this pick. I do like Jordan Brooks. I like Jordan Brooks a whole lot. He's a tackling machine. Uh, my only issue with the pick, though, is they have other issues, especially along the defensive line. Etor um, Gross Matos was sitting there for them, and that's probably the pick that me personally I would have gone with. But we've seen. Uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll go outside the box before. I had a second round, maybe a third round grade on Jordan Brooks. I like him. I don't think he's a first round talent, though. So that's my only issue with the pick for the Seahawks. I gave this pick a C plus because I liked I like the player. I like that he's able to tackle. But there are other issues with the Seahawks that I personally would have gone and addressed with this pick. But it's not a bad pick by any stretch. So is there any any big ones, any other big ones that you want to talk about? Big surprises? Um, in terms of surprises, I mean, I mean, I guess you're setting me up to talk about how C.D. Lamb fell to 17, right? Yeah. Either <laughs> I, that or a, a certain quarterback who is now going to be playing in Florida. Yeah, I mean, based on where – this uh this podcast is going i'm gonna save the cd lamb pick for later in the episode and i'll i'll talk about tua i i was i was surprised i I really was the the tape on him is good there's some things that are not that good but the one graphic that we all saw last night was the injury the injury history with him and it's been the main concern of mine through all this and they've passed on a short guy with a long injury list before in Drew Brees and you know here we are you know we're, we're back at square one really uh they're just trying to make up for old errors I guess with taking uh with taking two I mean anybody who's going to uh just say oh look at his resume look at what he's done in the past and say let's just disregard the medical history is is ridiculous. I I just can't get behind that. I get I get this pick a, a C. You know I, I I think at number five, it, it was a pick that Dolphins necessarily were forced into making a little bit. But uh, me personally, I I I just like Justin Herbert a little bit more in terms of where they were uh, they were selected. I gave the Chargers pick by the way of Justin Herbert. I gave that pick a a B plus. Okay. So I don't really have any others, any other surprises that can't go into this uh, next category, which is reaches. And you know, you see it every single year that teams like to reach either for need or that they think a player is better than they actually are, or maybe they pick a player in a different position that it's, it's just unexpected. And honestly, I see that with the, the New York Giants. At number four, I like the pick of Andrew Thomas, but I think when you have the the full slate of the top four tackles at your disposal, I wouldn't have picked Andrew Thomas 
I would have picked Jedrick Wills Jr., who ended up going at number 10 to the Cleveland Browns. So this, I mean, this is, this could end up being a solid pick for the New York Giants. But frankly, I think that uh, either Wills Jr. or Tristan Wirfs or even Mekhi Becton would uh, they would have been a uh, a more solid pick when you when you have all those players on the board and you're choosing between all four I think that that that's kind of where the Giants should have gone I disagree I get I gave this pick an A Andrew Thomas was the number one tackle on my board he is the best tackle in this class I've been saying it all along he's the safest tackle in this class and he's going to be a fixture on the Giants offensive line for a very, very long time. I think he's going into a great situation. He's going to start out at right tackle for this year, and then when Nate Solder's contract runs out, he'll then move to the left. So he's going to learn on the right, figure it out, and then next year he'll move to the left. I think it is a fantastic pick. I was shocked that the Giants went with Andrew Thomas, but I was very, very happy for them because they made an outstanding pick. And this, this, is, this is an A pick for me. It really, really was. I mean... He was he's my number one tackle. He was my number one tackle all along. And this was an outstanding pick by the New York Giants in terms of what they need to do. And that is get a blindside blocker for Daniel Jones. And this is the guy. This is their left tackle of the future. They could have gone with Becton. They could have gone with Wills, but in turn but in comparison with Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is a cleaner, safer prospect than both of them. A pick by the Giants. It absolutely kills me to say it, but a really, really good pick by the New York Giants. So good for Jason Garrett for uh, for making this pick for the New York Giants. It was a fantastic call. What about, uh, do you have any other ideas about reaches? Like who, which other teams do you think reached in the first um... round? I think the Falcons at 16 with AJ Terrell, I like the player. Um, I just think that the Falcons, all this talk that they were going to trade up, they knew that the Jaguars were looking at CJ Henderson at number nine. And they could have very easily traded up to leapfrog the Jaguars and get their guy. And, and they didn't do it. I think everyone knew that they needed a corner with Desmond Trufant leaving to go to the Lions and now, I mean, it, I like again. I like the player, but it just screamed desperation for me. That this is my big problem with this pick. It just screamed desperation. And if they didn't like any of the corners there, or they could have just picked Caleb on Chase on. They could have picked Chase on, and I would have given that pick maybe a B, but. With taking Terrell at this spot, who, by the way, I thought was going to go in this range, but I did not think the Falcons were going to take him. I think in terms of making the pick, in terms of what other options were there, I gave this pick a C. I was not, I was not a big fan of this pick one bit. Yeah, I'm, the Falcons didn't do great last draft either. I think we we gave them some flack for picking a uh, like two offensive linemen. Yeah, when they could have used help uh in the secondary so uh i don't know well What's they were looking they there? were looking to build their uh their offensive line but again the needs were the needs were so obvious with the falcons when they took uh chris lindstrom and caleb gary 
It, I mean, it was so obvious. And it's the same thing again. They cut Trufant, and we all knew the, the direction the Falcons were going to go. I'm just surprised that they did not go and get Henderson if they were dead set on taking a corner. I, I, I was surprised. Yeah, as far as reaches are concerned, I don't know. There aren't a... Well, I think that for... I wouldn't consider it... Eh, no, it is kind of... I wouldn't say it consider it a reach, necessarily. But I'm kind of surprised that the Chiefs didn't pick the running back that everyone thought they were going to pick. And that is uh, DeAndre Swift. And they picked uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from uh, LSU. I mean, they were both they were both very great running backs and in the SEC, no less. But I think a lot of people, you know, the consensus around around the league, around draft around draft experts, draft experts is that uh DeAndre Swift was the better player. I mean, what do you think about this pick, Bird? See, if if I was the Chiefs, well, first of all, I'm not a big fan of taking a running back in the first round unless it is a generational type of running back, whether it's uh, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley. Those are the kind of running backs that I will mortgage my future around to go and get. There wasn't that big-time running back in this draft. Me personally, if I was the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they needed more of an in-between-the-tackles kind of guy, not necessarily a shifty outside the outside the tackles kind of guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is. He was my number four running back on the board. I like the talent. I like the player. But for me, I would have personally gone with Jonathan Taylor if they were going to go for a running back. That is the kind of guy that I think the Chiefs needed. This just kind of screams to me, it, it, it almost it's almost like a clone of Damian Williams. It's almost like they're the same guy. They both can catch passes. They both can make, you know, big exciting runs. But is he the guy that we can really say, you know, is the the future starting running back for the Chiefs when Damian Williams inevitably gets hurt again in the regular season and then comes back for the playoffs and then goes nuts? Because Damian Williams has not played a, a season in his career where he's been fully healthy. So you're going to have to expect that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be the guy for the Chiefs at some point. And is he the guy that we can really trust to be the focal point of that running game i don't know it's a, it's a stretch for me i get this pick a c plus you know it's it's not it's not the worst pick in the world but me personally i would have gone with any of the three running backs that i have above him jonathan taylor deandre swift or jk dobbins yeah honestly i don't want to pick on the raiders too much but i think that their that their corner pick is a bit of a reach as well because you you know mm. you see what? Hmm. Hmm. I like that pick. I liked it a lot, and I I've watched a lot of Damon Arnett at uh, because he's Ohio State kid, and he plays tough. He plays tough. He plays hard nosed football, and that's what the Raiders want. They want they want grit. They want attitude, and Damon Arnett is that. He really is. And I mean, if we're talking about coverage skills, he's not necessarily Jeff Okuda. But I think he's got better ball skills than Okuda does. So I think this is a a, a low-key pick by the Raiders. I, I, I actually do, I dare say it, I like the draft that the Raiders had in the first round. I really, really did. 
Well, it's definitely unheralded. What they they are uh, underrated. You know, unheralded. They unheralded. Yeah. Yeah, they don't go for. They haven't gone for the players that you'd expect. And this is, it's been two years now in the Mayock Gruden regime that they haven't really gone for players that you that you'd expect. They so don't go for the them. sexy name. That's that's the thing with the Raiders. They're not they're not looking to really impress people. They're going for hard nosed, uh, high motor football players, and that's what they're that's what they're getting. Uh, one more pick that I had that I thought was a reach was uh, Austin Jackson. I hinted at this before. Um, I would have gone with Ezra Cleveland over Austin Jackson. Again, we talked about this when we uh, did our mock drafts, and I had Austin Jackson in um, in my mock. I thought he'd be going in the later first just because of the heavy run on tackles. Well, yeah, um, I had him going to Miami, but not at this pick. Right, right. So, I, I mean, again, I'll go I'll go back and I'll talk about what I said in my mock. I think that he, he's a project. He's a developmental player. It might take him a year or two before he really becomes, you know, a top-notch starter and the guy that people may project for him to become. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm definitely worried about the state of the offensive line for the Dolphins. Just because they need to address the offensive line with some more solid pieces. And right now, Austin Jackson definitely is more of a raw addition that could potentially grow into something. But in the meantime, I gave this pick a D plus. I, I was not a fan of the spot that he went and who else was on the board. I personally would have gone for Isaiah Wilson or Ezra Cleveland over Austin Jackson. Well, I feel like if they hadn't traded their pick to the Packers, who ended up uh, picking Jordan Love, Austin Jackson would have been there. So if they if they had waited, most likely, they, most likely, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, I don't know if that would have made the pick any better or worse. Like they could have, they could have picked uh, somebody else with twenty five or uh, eighteen. But yeah, I think that they could that they could have waited. Like, I don't know if he was going to go any further. I'm kind of surprised that Joshua Jones wasn't picked in the first round. Um, I said it was a possibility, but I'm I'm a little surprised. Yeah, because I thought, I mean, I'm surprised more if there wasn't more of a heavy run on uh, on tackles. Of course, we had the, the big four. But then after that, we only had Austin Jackson and Isaiah Wilson. So we only had six tackles that were uh, that were drafted, and then of course uh, Cesar Ruiz to the uh, to the Saints. By the way, that's another pick that I really really loved. Cesar Ruiz. That was a great to, pick to the Saints. Great I gave that pick. an A. I gave that an A. That was a a really really good pick for uh, for the Saints, and the, that, that's a kid that's got Pro Bowler written all over him. So on that subject, which teams do you think did the best in this draft? Oh man. Um, am I only allowed to pick one? No, you're not. You're not. Oh, okay. I, so I can talk. I can talk about. I'll talk about the Saints to start. I think the pick of of Ruiz was one that was outside the box. But again, I love the player, and this is a guy who's got Pro Bowl written all over him. A plus pick. Okay. Who else? Um. I liked. I'm happy that the Bucks got a tackle. <laughs> uh, Worfs, that's a steal there for me at 13. I gave that. I gave that pick a B plus. Um, 
The Jets getting a tackle. That was good for them. I gave, I gave Becton a B. Cowboys getting C.D. Lamb. Uh, I mean, do you want do you want to talk about C.D. Lamb? We know where this is going. I do. I don't. I mean, I'll talk about C.D. Lamb just because. Go ahead. Go ahead. Then I'll give you my take. Okay. So yeah, the the Cowboys got really lucky with this pick, and uh, getting C.D. Lamb. You know, they got lucky that the Raiders the Raiders could have easily picked uh, either C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. So and they picked Henry Ruggs the third. And then uh, the Broncos picked Jerry Judy, who apparently they wanted all along. So CeeDee Lamb kind of just fell into the Cowboys' lap here. And now with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, the Cowboys have one of the best receiving cores in the league. I mean, if you ask a certain person whose name, whose last name rhymes with Schmerzall, you can say, he, he'll say that the Cowboys have the best receiving core in the league. By a million so, miles. This is uh this is a great pick for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, sure, like I had them in their mo- in my mock, uh, picking C.J. Henderson, but he was long gone here. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise. Uh, they could have, I don't know, they could have gone corner, but I don't know if it was going to be a reach or something or or anything like that. But with the pick of C.D. Lamb. That's solid. I mean, they may not be able to cover wide receivers, but they'll be able to score a lot of points. Here's my thing for everyone that is talking about the Cowboys and saying, why would they pick a receiver when they just paid $100 million to one and they have another that just had a 1,000-yard season last year? This is a classic, and I'm saying textbook case, of a team that is not expecting a certain player to be there when they are on the board. And Welcome to Jamal Adams. Welcome to Jamal Adams. Exactly. This is exactly that. The Cowboys had C.D. Lamb as the sixth best player in the draft. And this is what you do when you run a front office. This is what all the best teams do. If you have a guy that isn't necessarily a need, but you have a great grade on him, you have to take him. Bottom line. And yes, you can talk about how the Eagles needed a receiver, and if the Cowboys didn't take CeeDee Lamb, odds are he was going to fall to the Eagles. You can talk about that. Fine. But you're giving Dak another weapon in that offense, and we talked about this on our bold prediction show with Jake, and Jake made an outstanding point. He had the Cowboys taking Justin Jefferson, and he said, why not give Dak another option to throw to? And while I didn't think it was a need, I thought the Cowboys were probably going to go receiver in maybe the third or fourth round. I don't think anybody saw that C.D. Lamb was going to fall to them, and I was at 15, I was hyperventilating because I saw Judy and Lamb potentially being on the on the board for the Cowboys. When Judy went, I wasn't surprised. Everyone knew that the Broncos had interest in Jerry Judy, and good for him. He's going to a really good spot, and Judy, Sutton, and Noah Fant, are, that's going to be an outstanding offense, and Drew Locke is going to have a ton of options to throw to. I gave that pick an A-. But with CeeDee Lamb in Dallas... Oh, Maron. I mean, I, it's tough for me because I've said a lot of things about CeeDee Lamb. 
And I've said all those things in comparison to Jerry Judy. I like CeeDee Lamb. I like Jerry Judy more. I like CeeDee Lamb. While I would have rather gone with a defender, because, of course, the defense needs work, I think that there are plenty of good players for the Cowboys to take in round two and round three that can really beef up that defense and make this pick look really, really good. I gave this pick a B plus. You know, it, it just because there were other needs for the Cowboys, they didn't necessarily need to go and uh, and draft a receiver. But when you have a receiver that's this talented as CeeDee Lamb and you can have him be in the slot with Cooper and Gallup on the outside, Dak is just going to have endless guys to throw to. And not for nothing, if teams want to double Amari Cooper, they can go ahead and do it because we have CeeDee Lamb underneath and we have Michael Gallup on the other side. Or it's going to be a distraction in the running game for Zeke. And that's that's the one thing that I also think CeeDee Lamb has to work on if he's going to be a really good receiver for this team. He's got to work on his run blocking. But I gave this pick a B plus. It was a really, really good pick. And it's a sexy pick. It's it's a, it's a an a, I think you, were you the one that said it's meant to put ass asses in seats? I I doubt that I coined that phrase, but okay, okay. I mean, so, it's basically. But I get where you're where you're going. This is this pick. Yeah, it is meant to put asses in seats. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think what how you felt is basically how I felt when you know Sam Darnold fell to the Jets at three. And then when Jamal Adams fell to the Jets in uh, in 2017, it's kind of the same sort of thing where you're just like, I did not expect this to happen, but I am so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I do have uh, one more pick that I want to uh, to talk about, and that was the Vikings taking Justin Jefferson. Uh, Damn it. I was going to say that the Vikings probably were one of the better, like total, had a great draft. Yeah, that's... It's a great pick for me. A. A pick for the Vikings. When you get value plus need plus the spot that he was taken, A. A pick for for the Vikings. Well, I was going to say that the Vikings had a great draft. You know, getting Justin Jefferson at 22 like they did. And then getting a lot of picks from uh, San Francisco when they were trading back, when they traded back to 31. Like that, and then still getting a, a solid corner for the defense. It would, I mean, it was a great draft for the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Agreed, agreed. They, they Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer really worked the board, uh, very very well. And the 49ers, for what it was worth, I gave this the 49ers pick a C. Only because I was genuinely confused when they had C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy on the board for them at 14. Why didn't they go that direction? I, I understand they need a replacement then. They need a replacement for DeForest Buckner. I, I get that. But if you were going to take receiver, why wouldn't you just do it at at 14? It, 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 for me, it doesn't make sense. Maybe, I, but I, li- I like the player though. I like Brandon Ayuk. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player, but well, if you're going to ask me, it, to it doesn't make it, sense. Then I can't. I can't. I yeah. don't really know why they picked. Yeah, it doesn't I was make like, sense. Really, Javon Kinlaw? We had I gave that pick a C plus. I gave that pick a C plus for what it was worth. We had him going a bit later to yeah, uh, we did to the Falcons, and you know 
And he also has uh, medical issues as well. He has tendonitis in his knees. So that is that is something to be a little bit concerned about with uh, with Kinlaw going this high at 14. You already have tendonitis in your knees. And, you know, as a defensive tackle, literally all you do is bend your knees. Oh, boy. I have tendonitis in my knees. And let me tell you, it's not fun. It's not. I'm sure it isn't. No, it is not. Okay. So we we talked about the positives for long enough. Let's talk about the teams that just did not do well in this draft that they could they could have done better in filling the needs that they have. And for me, I mean we already talked about the Falcons how they how they could have gone in another direction with their pick of AJ Terrell. I'm surprised that the Eagles didn't pick Justin Jefferson at 21 or that they didn't trade up to uh, draft CeeDee Lamb. Because now, you know, CeeDee Lamb's going to to a division rival. And the Eagles have to deal with CeeDee Lamb twice a year now for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, I'm not, like, a huge fan of the Jalen Rieger pick when you put it into, into perspective. So, I I mean, I would if they weren't going to trade up, I'd rather just them pick Justin Jefferson because I think he... After the top three, he was the next best receiver on the board. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that? See, I think what the Eagles were thinking about is we know what the Eagles like. They like smaller, faster receivers. And they already have a big-bodied receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. So they're getting someone else that can really take the cover off of the defense. I think well, he they plays— they trade Alshon Jeffrey. Well, if they trade Alshon Jeffrey, then this is a much— then we're having a much different conversation. But— I think the one thing with uh, with Jalen Rieger that he did not test very well. His measurables were not great. His 40 time at the combine was a bit slow. I think he plays a lot faster than that. So I think he's got pretty good speed. I think this is a classic example of you can't always trust the measurables. You just need to watch film and you need to see, you know, what kind of player that you're getting. I think the Eagles are getting a pretty good player. Uh, I gave this pick, though, a C plus just because, yes, I would have much rather had Justin Jefferson. But I can understand not wanting the same kind of receiver because that is a little bit what Alshon Jeffrey and Justin Jefferson are. A little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, what do you think? Do you have any any other teams besides those? Um, how could we ha- how could we not talk about the biggest shock of the night at number yeah. twenty six? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, your days are numbered. Oof. Oof. Yikes! I really want I really want to know what was going on in the uh, Aaron Rodgers Danica Patrick household last night. I mean, it's one thing where you just wait at thirty and draft Jordan Love. It's a whole nother thing when you trade up to draft Jordan Love. At that point, it's not a, oh, hey, this guy's here. We might as well just take him. This is a, we want him, and we're going to be starting him within the next couple of years. So watch out, boy. Watch out. See, here's my overall issue. You have so many other needs if you're the Packers, and you're so close to being a legitimate Super Bowl team, right? We've been talking about how the Packers absolutely need to get themselves a pass catcher, and they can do it in the second round. I'm not saying that that's not out of the question. But 
to take the insurance policy that you think is going to be the heir to Aaron Rodgers' throne when Aaron Rodgers has said that he wants to play until he's at least 38, 39, 40 years old, it's going to do Jordan Love well. I mean, we talked about this when I had the Packers taking Jordan Love in my mock. He's going to need to learn. He's going to need to really sit. and He's going to really need to develop. And I think this is a perfect spot behind Aaron Rodgers. But, whoa, I, I, not all quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers. And I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a little bit peeved by the Packers going and taking Jordan Love. I gave this pick a D. Yeah, no, I I was very surprised. They needed a receiver. They needed a receiver, and they they just they they didn't get one. They had T. Higgins on the board. They didn't t- they didn't take him. Michael Pittman, Lavisca Chanel, and they 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 didn't take him. And those receivers are still on the board. Yes, correct. Hopefully, the Jets pick one of them. I think the Jets get Pittman. I would. I'd rather have T. Higgins. I think I think Higgins is going to go a little a little early. I think Higgins is going to be more like top of the second round, but if the Jets st- stand pat, I think they get Pittman, and I like Michael Pittman a whole lot. So if they do get him, that's going to be a great pick. I believe in my uh, in one of the bold predictions that I had, I said that Michael Pittman and T Higgins will be more productive at the next level than Ceedee Lamb and Henry Ruggs. So if you get Michael Pittman. You, you have to hope that my bold prediction is right. Well, I mean, for your sake, I'm sure you hope that you're wrong now that CeeDee Lamb is playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, here's my here's my thing with, with Lamb now is there are people that are way smarter than me that are saying that he's the next DeAndre Hopkins, that he has that similar build, he's got the similar frame, his yak numbers are off the charts. But is he really going to get the ability to be that? Because he's in a three-receiver system where every every one of those guys is going to command the ball. So how many looks is CeeDee Lamb realistically going to get a game where he can really make a big difference and have those insane yak measurables like he did in college when he was 11 yards after the catch, which is ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know. That is ridiculous. Honestly, I'm wondering... This is one of the rare times where you have a player from Oklahoma playing his professional football in Texas. So we'll yeah. see that. Well, did you see? Uh, did you see Lincoln Riley uh, watching the draft? No, I didn't. So they showed they showed Lincoln Riley um, watching on ESPN when uh, CD got his name called, and he was just going bonkers. Yeah. No, I I saw uh, Coach O. He when Joe Burrow got picked, I was like, "Wow, where is he? Is he in the? Is he at LSU?" Go Tigers! Go Tigers! But uh, that's kind of it. I don't know if you have any any other words for about the draft as we move on to round two later tonight. I mean, you want to talk about um, the Jets? We talked a lot about the Cowboys. I mean, we, we can talk about the Jets a little bit. Sure, why not? I'll I'll talk about the Jets. So. Yeah, like you're going to turn on an invitation to talk about the Jets. Never. Never, ever. Never, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Go ahead, Adam. The floor is yours. So the New York, my New York Jets, they – oh, God. The amount of comments on on Facebook and Instagram that said that the Jets should have picked a wide receiver, I swear, just cannot cannot deal with that, with that nonsense. 
But thankfully, those people, those people are flat out wrong. They're very wrong. They're like, I wanted CD Lamb. I'm like, no, wrong. You, no, no, absolutely not. I would have, I would have been livid if they took a wide receiver at number eleven, especially with how the draft goes, or with how the draft went, with how the picks went. Where exactly. they have, you have you have receivers in the second round that you could take that can be just as good as the top three receivers. You don't need to take one. The Jets made the right call. They sure did. They sure did. I think the real question is, is if Mekhi Beckton is the right tackle for the New York Jets. He he's a versatile tackle. He can play at both left and right tackle. I think that they're going to start him at at left because that's what he played in his last year at Louisville, and then have George Fant play at the right. And when he was at Louisville, he what was he allowed like three pressures his senior year and was only flagged for two penalties. This is the kind of tackle that the Jets need. Somebody that is is a flat out stud. This is the first offensive lineman that the Jets have drafted in the first round since Debrickishoff Ferguson and Nick Mangold in two thousand seven. Crazy. You're not those, wrong. Those two guys turned out pretty well, I would say. Yeah, they can't, they turned out pretty damn well, I would say. Yeah. I mean, one of them was the inspiration for one of the best Keen Peel sketches of all time. So that's definitely that's definitely something. <laughs> um as we move forward to the second round, do you have any uh, do you have any bold predictions for uh for the second round, second third round? Any bold two? predictions? Hmm. Yeah. I got to think about that. Why don't you go first? Um, so, I mean, I have a few. I could say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to draft a running back. I think okay. that they they are going to end up going with J.K. Dobbins. That's just a little hunch that I have. I don't have any inside information, but I think J.K. Dobbins could be the pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I think the Jaguars draft the running back. I think that they get the air to Leonard Fournette if he is indeed on his way out, which appears to be the case. And I think that running back is going to be Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. I think the Jets do not take a receiver in the second round. I think they I think they address their defense and I think they draft a corner. I have them going with either Jalen Johnson or Trayvon Diggs. So I mean, I'd be happy with a corner, but I think, oh man. It'd be, and I also think, yeah. And I also think the Cowboys go for an edge rusher. I think that this is this is where they get an edge rusher. Hmm. I think the Giants are going to pick Yatur Grosmatos at at thirty six. That's my bold prediction. Hmm. They're gonna, Interesting. They're going to draft an edge rusher. I mean, that specific edge rusher, because that. Uh, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because that, I mean, that's one of their big needs for in the draft that we that we've seen. I mean, among a lot of things, but I mean, they can go edge rusher or corner. But I think that, you know, in the club of the players that probably should have been drafted in the first round, but were left out of the first round, Yuturgos Matos is one of the better players in that sort of group. What were you going to say, Bird? I was going to say, uh, who do you think is going to be the first pick of the second round tonight? The first pick of the second round. I don't know. I have a. I have one. It's a lot harder than picking the first pick of the first round. This is true. There are many options for the for the Cincinnati Bengals at the top of the second. Many many options. There's 
Xavier McKinney. There's Itor Gross Matos. There's potentially a corner, linebacker. I think that I think they go with Zach Bond. I think this is this is a good spot for uh for Bond because the Bengals need a line they need a linebacker and they need pass rush help and Bond could do both those things. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Zach Bond. Uh where do we think where do we think uh T. Higgins ends up? Realistically or emotionally? Uh, a bit of both. Emotionally I want him to go to, I want him to land in New York with the Jets. That but, would be something. But realistically, I think he's probably gonna go he could go as high as like seven to the Dolphins. Um hmm. Maybe the Jaguars. I think the Colts could get themselves T. Higgins at the uh, second pick in the second round, 34 overall. Really? Yeah. Because what does Philip Rivers like? He likes likes his tall receivers. He does. Uh, Last question. Which, Go ahead. Which uh, rookie quarterback, incoming rookie quarterback, do you think is going to have the most success coming into the NFL? In- in year one or he, over their career? Year one. Are you putting Joe Burrow in the conversation? Is he not a rookie quarterback? Then it's Joe Burrow. Really? Yes. Yes. He, I mean, it's a he has a solid a solid team. I mean, the offensive line needs some work, but he has. I think. I think depending on how good. Um, the rest of this draft goes for the Bengals. If they go heavy defense and they continue to address their offensive line, I think the Bengals could be a sneaky playoff contender this year in the AFC. I think it's Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's going into the best ready-made situation for a uh, a quarterback. I mean, if he ends really, up... yeah, over Cincinnati. Well. Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, and AJ Green. Yeah, but you have but Los Angeles has Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. <sighs> and they have a solid and they have a great defense as well. Okay, if we're talking about full team if we're talking about full team, then yes. Then yes, Herbert's got a better situation than Burrow. But if we're talking about the overall offense, if we're talking about just the unit, I think the Bengals, uh, at least on paper, are a better situation right now than the than the Chargers are. But it's it's splitting hairs between the two. Yeah. Oh yes, if we're talking if we're talking about full team, then the Chargers, absolutely. I guess that I should have been more specific. I was going to say like yeah. which team, which rookie quarterback's team is going to have more success. Adam, you ne- you nearly you nearly made me have a stroke. Yeah, if we're talking about success, I think the I think the Chargers. If we're talking about, if we're talking about Herbert being the guy within the first month of the year, then I think the Chargers could be a a, a sneaky little uh, little playoff team. Uh, how? I I have a question for you. Okay. Between Herbert and Tua, when do we think we see both of them? Give me like a week. Hmm. I'd say. Am I assuming that Tua is healthy? Or yes. No? Okay. Yes. 
Assuming that Tua is healthy. Honestly, Tua, if Tua is healthy, he's starting week one for the Dolphins. Woo! Wow. You're not going to pick a wow. guy wow. that high and just be like, okay, so uh, yeah, we're gonna re- we're just going to rest you for a couple weeks. No. The Bills did it with Josh Allen until he didn't have a choice. But I think... I think when Josh Allen was drafted, people can considered him more. They didn't think he was as much of a finished product as Tua is. Okay. Yeah, I mean we could see so, now that so he was who do you pretty, think he's pretty good? But yeah. So who do you think starts sooner, Tua or Justin Herbert? Tua. Wow. If he's healthy. Wow. If he's healthy. If he's not healthy, obviously then Herbert. See, I don't think I don't think we see Tua until the end of the season. I think they just they keep it locked down with Fitz. I think we see Justin Herbert by week five, week six. Because I, I have more faith in Ryan Fitzpatrick to carry the the weight for the Dolphins than I do of Tyrod Taylor being able to do it for the Chargers. Well, I think that. Uh... I mean, depending on how everything goes, well, if there's a training camp, if there's a training camp battle between... That's also part of it. ...the two of them, that uh, Tua would come out come out victorious and start over Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, this is... This is... Uh, like, Brian Flores is, like, in love with this guy. Like, he... No matter what, he, the Dolphins were going to pick Tua Tagovailoa. So I think there's no reason. Is that the truth? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's no reason for them to not start uh, to a Tiger Velo week one, unless there's something going on with his hip or any other injury. Which, when the world opens up again and he's able to be really properly medically evaluated by Dolphins doctors. Um, they will have a clearer gauge as to where Tua is in terms of his uh, his road back. But we shall see. We shall see how uh, how night two goes, won't we, Mr. Caster? We sure shall. Thank- we sure shall? We sure shall. We sure will. That sounds awkward, but okay. We sure will. There we go. That sounds better. <laughs> seashell, she sells, she, she, ah, I can't even do it. She sells seashells by the seashore. Yes, that one. I was never. I've never been good at tongue twisters. And what can I say? We some people are just radio professionals. Can't go one episode without saying radio professional like that. Of course, of course, because I am a radio professional. She sells seashells by the seashore. But can you say it really fast? She sells seashells by the seashore. All right, there you go. I'm just. I'm very talented. Mm-hmm. Very very talented. At that one thing. Enjoy night two of the draft, everybody. Enjoy night two of the draft. Enjoy looking at Roger Goodell's basement and his connect <laughs> that he has for some weird reason. Probably. And enjoy seeing him talk to the fans uh, like they're actually there and it's actually live. God, it's so creepy. Honestly, this... It's it's not good. This draft almost looked like an episode out of Black Mirror. <laughs> it's very close. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Okay, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And that 
is just basement talk the basement talk podcast please listen and give us a five-star review on all of our episodes if you want to see who bird and i thought we're going to be going in the first round of our mock drafts you can listen to all of those on spotify now podcast and we will talk to you next week when we give our full thoughts on all seven rounds of the nfl draft for my co-host Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast. Hmm. Bye bye. <laughs>